Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Lego Masters Deconstructed. Welcome to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. Today we are going to talk about the latest episode, which was episode five, and it was a fun little episode about cutting things in half. Yes, so we had the cutaway challenge. Uh, We got to see some of Brickman's work, which I don't think we've really seen much this season, Um, but they said that that ship took 200 hours to build, which seems like not enough. And way too much at the same time. (laughs) I'm going to jump in here real quick, Zoe. Mm. It's been too long since we've had a scandal on this show. Oh, and we have a new one? We have a new scandal. Oh, what is it? Potentially. I didn't didn't pick up anything. No, that's okay. This this is a scandal um, from my personal experience. Okay. Because... I'm scared. (laughs) I have seen that ship from Brickman before many years ago. Oh. They didn't build it for this episode at all. Did we think they did? Well, no, they didn't say that. (laughs) Often they imply that they built it for that episode. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one they didn't actually say that, but I've got my eyes on you, Brickman and crew. What's going on there? I saw it at a museum a few years ago and honestly, very, very cool. Yeah, it looks sick. But I like that, like, we need to have a new conspiracy because the clock one's been solved. We don't have anything else. So this build was, it was only 10 hours long. Don't you think the challenges this season haven't been particularly long? Like the longest one was like 16, I think, and then the rest have been like around that 9, 10 mark. I guess we've had more challenges though because it took until the fifth build to have to have an elimination and usually it's like the third or something that we'd see that so yeah yeah maybe they're going for shorter builds but more of them yeah i don't know i just thought that was a bit weird i mean 10 hours is still a really long time <laughs> to sit and build lego but like give me like a 20 hour you know speaking of time we got to finally see what nick and jean's advantage was this build they had their magic button we said we were keen to see some kind of stop the clock action they were granted VIP access to the brick pit for one whole hour. That's a long time. As you said, only 10 hours for the build. So, yeah, yeah, really wild. I thought it was really good that they did it like halfway through the build rather than at the end. Can you imagine if it was the last hour and no one else was allowed to go in? I'm sure the producers would have said you can't do it in the first and last hour or something like that, but... That would have been crazy. I think it's also good that they didn't tell them what the 
advantage was, so they couldn't plan for the most painful time to use it. Yeah. It kind of made it a bit less powerful. And obviously Hamish gave everyone a chance to run and grab some bricks. So it also probably affected the teams differently. Like yeah. depending on what you had at your table, either you're like, oh, you know what? I've got an hour of work I can do here. Yeah. Or you'd be like, oh my God, I have nothing to do if I can't get to the brick pit. Yeah. Because when they've done the stop the clock advantages in the past, where it's like one team gets to build for half an hour or something, and the other teams just have to sit there. At least they can, like, it gives them time to just sit and, like, look at what they've done and think about what they need to do next. And, like, it's it can almost benefit them, whereas this was just, like, crazy. Crazy. Let's start with Kirsty and Daniel, who did the attack of the robot. And so they had the big robot kind of operated by minifigs at the back, and then they were attacking, like, an office building that obviously had lots of little stories going on inside. These guys had a lot of issues with the fact that they'd essentially built two different things and they couldn't work out how to place it so that the cutaways were on the same side and it was just all a bit confusing. Here's Here was my proposition and I'm certain they thought of this and there was a reason they couldn't do it. <laughs> you know how they had, they had the uh, robot just past the building, like walking away from it. it. That was the end position they chose. Couldn't they have had the robot facing or, or even on an angle, like facing the building where on the cutaway side? So if you looked at it, you had the cutaway building and then you had the robot and its cutaway showing. Like, couldn't they have done that? <laughs> As you said, I assume just the way they had it built limited what they could do. But I thought it was interesting the way that Brickman wasn't interested in there being more than one plane for the cutaway. Like, I don't really see why you couldn't have a cutaway plane on the yeah. building and a cutaway plane on the robot. I understand that he wanted a really flat cutaway plane as, like, a technical challenge. No worries. But I don't necessarily agree that it would have had to be the exact same plane. Like, I don't think it loses the effect as long as both planes are flat. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's so it's true. It's just an interesting thing that he was strict about. And I also wonder if they knew that yeah. leading into it, and I assume they didn't. Because, yeah, well, I have to assume they didn't because they seemed kind of surprised when he came around and told them. Yeah, for sure. And so they ended up with a build that I, I don't think they'd say is representative of what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously didn't get eliminated or anything like that, but... Not not quite up to the usual standards we've seen from them, which is pretty good. Like, they're definitely a great team. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, if they had just done the robot, Brickman would have said that there was no story because there kind of wouldn't have been. So they had to have some other element. I don't know. I, you know what I'm finding this season? I'm finding criteria confusing and vague, and I'd like to know how much information the contestants are actually given because this, this kind of seems to happen every build now where – there's a couple of teams who seem really confused or like they've missed a big element. That's that's my small rant done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. That's definitely the way it seems in the in the episodes. Let's go to Branko and Max, who had a world of ideas. <laughs> they originally had like dragon versus a knight, very similar to Justin Henry's. Not at all something I would think of with this build. So I thought that was interesting. They obviously then changed to the human head with the five senses inside and like minifigs operating it very much like the movie Inside Out. I loved that idea. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Brickman comes around, tells them that he can't even build ahead of six hours, which I kind of just want to be like, 
let them try. Like it's obviously not going to be like as amazing as something Brickman would normally build, but they're also kind of only building half a head. Like, yeah, yeah. And rather that than start a whole new build. Right? Like they're ready. Anyway, then with four hours down, they decide to uh, do a rocket ship. I really feel for these guys. I can't imagine how hard it would be having to like chop and change your ideas so many times, especially when you've like half laid things. You kind of need to work with what you've already got out. I just feel like it was just not their day. That's not the first time that we've seen a backup rocket. It happened last season as well. There's something Mm. about a rocket, I guess, where teams go, all right, we're out of ideas. We don't have much time. We'll build a rocket because Scott Nolan did it for the build up tall build last season. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How interesting. interesting. But yes, again with Branko and Max, I was I loved the head idea as well, but just a situation where what we saw wasn't really representative of how skilled they are as builders and hopefully they can learn from their tumultuous planning and not get stuck in that cycle again, another build. Yeah, totally. One more thing that I uh, noticed that Brickman said, which and he I think he brought it up with one or two other teams as well, was that he liked that they had it on the very edge of the plate, like the model was built on the edge of the plate. So obviously it had that clean line. But, again, that didn't seem to be part of the criteria. And so I don't know if he just was thinking that was smart because building on the edge gives you a flat cut. I don't know. Also, the way they reused the colours on the base plate, which they had built for the head to be like the trails of colour off the rocket, I thought was really, really cool as well. I really like that too. Let's go to Lexi and Rach, who had the 1800s Grand Hotel. I really liked this. I thought it was quite gorgeous, actually. Definitely one of the better builds we've seen from them, for sure, yeah. These guys also did their build right on the edge of the plate, like Branko and Max did, but they were really good at utilising the front half of the plate as well, and they had kind of stories going across the whole build, which I thought was smart. The other thing I liked about theirs was that they had a lot of like beautiful little details like with the bookcases and and the plates and cutlery and things in the kitchen. They had flames kind of coming out of a little candelabra. Like their their little details and stories were really good. But something I didn't see for a multi-story building was any stairs. This is me nitpicking now. That's a good point. How's everyone moving around? I just, yeah, that's obviously a tiny detail and no one else seemed to bring it up, but that was like the one thing I noticed. I was like, where the hell are the stairs? You know what it was? All the stairs were on the side of the building that was cut away. They must have been. Let's jump to Alex and Caleb who did the alien space station. I think this did not get enough screen time. This was amazing. I fully agree. Right? They had this like elaborate alien capture experimental thing happening. You know, the front was very well designed. They used the colors and the space so well. I just, I I was honestly blown away by it. I like that they started off with a good tip from Brickman where he said that like you don't need to fill up the entire depth of the model. You just need to have like something happening everywhere in the cutaway. I thought that was really a generous tip and also a really interesting tip. Yeah. But I thought overall... It was such a such a great way to have two different stories going on. It's almost like a twist, like a twist ending where like you go, oh, cool, space, yeah. space, twist ending, uh-oh, evil scientists. Really, really good. One small thing was that Brickman didn't like the way that they had some ooze like dripping off the corner of it. Yeah. I, 
I I don't know. That, that's like it's still true to the idea of a cutaway and just adds a bit of like third dimension to it. I, I yeah, think it's cool. Like add, adds a, it, I thought it added to the story, but whatever. Again, that's another case where I'm like, did Brickman make it clear that it had to be a clean cut? Because I feel like if he did, they wouldn't have done that. And even if you do, I feel like that's like kind of bending the rules in an interesting way. You know mm. what I mean? Like maybe the story is like they cut it clean in half, but there was so much ooze that it dripped out anyway, like in the yeah. narrative. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to Trent and Paul, who, again, we hardly saw them this episode, but no, but no. I loved this design <laughs> so much. This It felt very them from what yeah. we've seen. This vet surgery with like all the little fun stories in the back, like some of the animals taking over and like – Oh, I just thought it was so cute and we, we saw like nothing of them. I'm pretty sure it was literally like here's our idea at the beginning and then, then they're in the background of other people's shots and then here's, here's our the idea finished. finished. Yeah. yeah, that's all we saw. And they didn't even talk about the bone. The bone was insane. Yeah. That would have been so hard to build and I feel like they just brushed over their whole build. There's something really interesting about like all white designs. It's not the first mm. time we've had one this season but – it's really because it's like this, it almost as if it pretends to be in 2D when you look at it quickly because there's no depth yeah. with the white, but then you look at it yeah. and the form like emerges from it. I think it's really cool. Yeah, me too. We'll go to Henry and Joss who did the dragon attack uh, and sort of the two Viking clans fighting it out. Again, this is not at all an idea I would have thought of for this, but I did like that they wanted to play to their strengths and I, they obviously did a great job. I, I love this one. I really, really loved it. I love that it was like a steampunk dragon. That was cool. Brickman mm-hmm. seemed to have an aversion to like a cutaway of a biological creature. Maybe he thought that was just too hard to do. So the solution of making it like a mechanical steampunk dragon was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. The entire aesthetic of the build was great. But also, and I'm so sorry, I can't remember who said it, mm-hmm. but one of them described their build. They go, oh, we cucked ourselves with the build. Yeah. And the fact that they got that into primetime television is so funny. I did notice that as well. That was good. The other thing I really liked about theirs, which they didn't really show, but was how they used the front half of that plate to create like an ocean or like a, like a river and they had like little boats sort of approaching the scene. I thought that was a really nice way to fill the space. Yeah. Lastly, we have our winners, Nick and Jean, four wins in a row, a new record for Lego Masters. Crazy. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Super interesting. Can we come up with a conspiracy about that? Uh, maybe they're the long lost cousins of Brickman and he's got like oh. family bias. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Let's not spread that. <laughs> so these guys did the cuckoo clock. They had the family inside, like the generations all living under one house and working and repairing the clock. It was sort of a working clock. Gene built a really great mechanism for that. And I, actually, again, I wrote this reminds me a lot of Jackson and Alex. <laughs> so I need to stop making that point because I keep saying it. But it does. It's, it's very beautiful and artistic. And, yeah, I was obviously very impressed. These guys, something I've noticed in their last few builds is, like, they never seem to really go for scale. Like, that their builds are never particularly big compared to everyone else's. But they're so intricate and they're, they're done so well. That's a really good point. Yeah, it shows that you don't always just need to like scale to win. You can just, Mm. there are other ways to win. I honestly really liked the way they did the build, so detailed. And also the clock mechanism, 
I love that they tried at the beginning to aim for like a fully time accurate clock and that would have been super cool. But I did still love seeing the finished product with the hands that moved at different speeds. The clock part was great. And to me, a higher priority than having a moving cuckoo thing like Brickman said, I thought the clock really, really sold it. I agree. And from what everyone on the show said, uh, it sounds like it was really hard to make those hands move at different times. Yeah. I've never even touched a Lego mechanism in my life, so I can't speak to that personally, but I imagine it was very difficult to get that going. And I, yeah, I thought it was effective. Next episode, it looks like we have uh, a bridge building challenge where the bridge is also on shaking plates. So it has to like sustain its structure. I'm super hyped for this one. I always love when they have a purely technical challenge. I also wonder if, I I can't imagine that the bridge challenge would be an elimination, but I wonder if it's another two-parter and there's actually something else they do after the bridge and there's another elimination because this episode wasn't an elimination. Ah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Mm. Guess we'll have to find out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. <laughs> make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you want to keep hearing episodes. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at Lego Masters underscore Deconstructed and on Twitter at LMD the pod. You can message us there anytime. Thoughts and feels about the episodes. Any questions you have for us or for contestants. Or if you just have like a really good recipe you'd like to share, I would enjoy that. (laughs) That'd be great, honestly. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.